Right now on Lone Star Politics, Dallas prepares to swear in a new leader. I'm a person who loves Dallas. But first, Mayor-elect Eric Johnson joins us to share his vision for the city of Dallas. Plus, Dallas Representative Colin Allred weighs in on Democrats who are divided on impeachment. This is Lone Star Politics from NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News. Good Sunday morning. I'm Julie Fine from NBC5 along with Gromer Jeffers, political reporter with the Dallas Morning News. Gromer, it's been like two weeks. Yeah, it's been a while. I've been chasing mayoral candidates, but you know. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're back with me. We have a mayoral me. leg now. It's good to be, see you again. And tomorrow, for the first time in eight years, Dallas will swear in a new mayor. Eric Johnson beat out a crowded field and will now take his seat in the horseshoe. But before he does, he joins Gromer and me this morning. Thank you so much for being of here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Well, you're starting. What's your immediate first priority for this city? Well, the first thing we have to do is actually get a council sworn in and have a leadership election and pick a mayor pro tem and a deputy mayor pro tem. We'll do all of that um, in a few hours, actually. So uh, when we get that done, then we can start talking about the budget. And I think that'll be the first thing we have to discuss. So the conversation that you heard a lot on the campaign trail about hiring new police, I think that conversation gets started right away. Has it sunk in yet? You know, after, after the election night party, when you got alone and were able to collect your thoughts, what did you think, the uh, uh, son of West Dallas, now the mayor of the city? Well, to, will be, soon to, be. to be perfectly honest with you and everyone who's watching, no, it actually hasn't sunk in yet. It's hard to explain uh, how it feels um, to be elected uh, mayor of your hometown, right. uh, where you grew up. Where, this is the only city I've ever lived in other than going away to college. This has been my home um, my entire life. I love this city, and it's, it's just been incredibly overwhelming, the outpouring of support from the city, the optimism I'm, I'm experiencing out in the streets. It's been incredible, but it hasn't really sunk in yet that, I, that I'm going to be mayor on Monday. So, you know, it's, it's incredible. And for folks who don't know, you only have a few days to shut down your old state representative office and then get up to speed and get your office, your mayor office going, right? Exactly. That's, yeah. a, that's a different wrinkle than what we usually see um, in Dallas mayoral elections. I actually have to simultaneously wrap up my affairs in Austin because they, uh, they want me right. out of my <laughs> office there because there's some member behind me in seniority who's got his eye or her eye on my office and wants it. So um, I have to be moved out of there by the end of the week and um, get things, um, you know, moved on. You excited about the new council? I'm sorry, very, sorry. very excited about the new council. I've spoken to every single one of them and I can tell you it's a very talented group. It's a very eager to get to work group and I think we're going to have the most amazing city council that I can recall in modern history really. Let's talk a little bit about the police department. You've mm -hmm. seen one union have a no confidence vote in the chief. Other unions do stand up and support her but clearly here there, there are some people looking for change. What do you think should happen? Well, actually, if, you know, I, I try to take a historical perspective on things, and I try to keep a level head. Everything I do, I try to make sure I'm informed. And I think if we look back through history, this is actually um, not uncommon. Uh, police chiefs in Dallas, uh, this, this happens. I mean, we, we, we have situations um, from time to time where there are these no-confidence votes. And I understand police associations, that's, you know, that's part of the, the process. But as a public servant, the police chief, you know, has to 
has to instill confidence in the public and we're working right now and trying to figure out ways to make sure everyone knows all the things that are happening behind the scenes to make sure our city is safe. And there are things happening and I, I'm going to meet with the police chief very soon. I'm waiting until I'm actually the mayor because there, there is a mayor right now and there is a, uh, you know, there are people in place. Uh, but once Monday comes around, I plan on sitting down with the police chief very quickly to discuss what I've been talking to um, Steve McCraw, who's the director of DPS, about the uh, influx of resources and manpower from Austin that we hope will help us get the situation under control. Do you support Chief Hall at this time? Well, Chief Hall and I have not sat down and talked, but I do believe this. I believe that this is not the time to discuss and certainly not to play out in public um, a leadership change. Now, I think we have to assess the situation and figure out you know, what, what exactly um, her plan is and what we're going to do to get the situation in Dallas under control because it is a serious situation. I want everyone to understand that I understand that, but I believe the police chief and the city manager and everyone involved understands that. But for this to play out in public is not ideal, in my opinion. We need to sit down and assess facts first and be very, very deliberate about what we do. And I'm very, very actually encouraged by the conversation I had with Steve McCraw uh, down in Austin just this past week about the resources that they're going to devote to Dallas to help us get this under control. They've actually done this before, very recently right. in San Antonio, um, when San Antonio was having some problems. And the result was a 17% reduction in the crime in San Antonio. So I'm, I'm hoping for the same result here. But we need to take care of this in a very thoughtful and methodical way. So do you know what that would look like yet? Will they be, will they be off state? DPS on the streets or? Yeah, without telling yeah. the bad guys exactly what's happening, let's, <laughs> let's just say that it's, it involves manpower, it involves equipment, it involves um, interjurisdictional cooperation at the city level, the state level with the DPS, and even county and federal. So this is, a this is being taken very seriously. And I, again, like I said, not everything that plays out in public um, is you know, reflective of what's going on behind the scenes because, again, you don't want to tell the bad guys everything you're doing, but things are happening. It's not like people are sitting on their hands. I've been assured and I'm very confident that we are going to get this situation under control and very quickly. So Monday afternoon, you sit down in your new office for the first time. I know you're focusing on the police department, but once everybody is sworn in, besides security, what else has to be addressed immediately? Well, we do need to be, you know, we're going on, on, on uh, vacation or so uh, for the month of July. So I want to make sure that we are, have our first um, briefing and talk about the budget and get everyone thinking about the budget. So there's other things other than the law enforcement situation that need to be uh, addressed in the city. So we're, we're going to be looking at law enforcement, of course, but we also need to be talking about the other issues that came up during the course of the campaign that are always issues in Dallas, all the deferred maintenance and the infrastructure improvements that we need to make in the city, the things we have to do to make sure that the city continues to, to be able to be a, a good place for people to live and work. So um, we need to get into the budget for sure. I also want to start the conversation about ethics reform. I meant that on the campaign trail. That was not just campaign talk. I think people need to have their confidence in City Hall restored. And I think that means we need to get involved very quickly with reviewing the ethics code and bringing in outside um, voices and outside eyes to look at that code to see how we can improve it and make it work better for the people of Dallas. The divide between the North and South, if this is something that every, well, most mayors before you have tried to tackle with some success, but it's still a big problem. You thought about that? How are you going to approach it? Well, I've thought about it my entire life. I mean, th this is not a, you know, a new idea for me. This is something that I think is at the heart of what it's going to take to make sure Dallas can make the leap to becoming the greatest city it could possibly be. And grow the tax base. Right. right? It's a great city. 
but it can be a greater city if it was a more um, universally, um, you know, equally developed city, if, if there were more equity in how the city's been developed. And that's something I have to focus on. And I think that on the campaign trail, I talked a lot about investing in our workforce, because I do believe that's the key. I think the key to attracting more businesses to develop our tax base, to be able to both lower our taxes and pay for more police and pay for some of the priorities that people have identified is to make the workforce one that's a, a attractive um, asset for our city. So I've been saying to people that my goal over the next four years and maybe eight if I'm fortunate enough to be reelected or, or however long uh, is to make Dallas the education and workforce capital of Texas. That's the goal. And you did talk about workforce development very frequently when you were campaigning. What steps will we see early on? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to get the players who are already working on this and doing great work in, in, the, in a room together. And I'm going to appoint someone to be a workforce czar for the city. And we're going to get the community college district, Joe May, who's the chancellor of the community college district, and Michael Hinojosa from the school district, and all the relevant stakeholders from Workforce Solutions, our local workforce board, and myself, the czar, sit down and talk about what a possible agreement might look like between those entities if that's feasible for us to actually have a, an, an actual tangible statement of our intent to work together to develop our workforce at an identifiable rate so we can point to you know progress and show that we're actually developing our workforce in a way that will be attractive to businesses. I think what will set Dallas apart is if we can show the rest of the country, hey, we've got a serious level of commitment and a very um, serious level of cooperation in developing our workforce. And I think businesses will be impressed by that and attracted by it. Mayor-elect Eric Johnson, thank you so much thank for being you. here. Come back and see us during anytime your term. You'll have me. Anytime you'll have me. I'm going to hold you to that. Thank you, guys. And the Dallas City 2019 inauguration takes place tomorrow at the Windspear Opera House. Along with mayor, several new city council members will also be sworn in. Still ahead, U.S. Congressman Colin Allred joins us to talk about the headlines in Washington, including the latest discussion surrounding the impeachment of the president. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Another busy week in Washington with some Democrats calling for an impeachment inquiry. And there were also concerns this week about how possible tariffs could have affected the state of Texas. Joining us now is Dallas Representative Colin Allred. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. What is your opinion on, on impeachment? Should Democrats be pursuing this? Yeah, you know, first of all, I'm deeply concerned with the Mueller report. And I think Everyone should go read it. It's accessible online. You can read it. You can see what the investigation found. There are some findings there that are very concerning that we have to do something about. And they're not all actually about President Trump. Some of them are about what Russia did to influence our election, that we need to close those loopholes, make sure that can happen again. Uh, but then on the issues of obstruction of justice, we have committees of jurisdiction that are investigating it. I think they should be allowed to do that. They should be, their subpoena should be responded to. If they ask you to come appear in front of them, you must come and appear in front of them just so the American people can get the full picture here. Uh, but I'm not somebody who ever thinks we should rush into impeachment. You know that I've been saying that for, I think, two years now, uh, and I'm still there. Well, let me ask you this, because the American public is watching this play out. So is it possible that impeachment is an end game, or are we just going through these investigations just to do due due yeah. diligence. Well, let me say this, and I, and I said this in my town hall a couple weeks ago. I take my oath of office very seriously to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and to make sure that our values are upheld. So impeachment is in the Constitution. 
Right. It's never off the table, and it shouldn't be. There are always, any Congress must use that as a final tool if it is necessary. But what we also have to do is make sure that the American people know what happened. And I don't think there's been enough knowledge there. I don't think we've had the public hearings. I don't think people have had the time to digest what the Mueller report said. And the Attorney General and the President have been very effective, in my opinion, at trying to change the narrative and put out a false narrative about what the findings of the Mueller report were. So it may be just establishing a record since a lot of people aren't going to read the report. Well, we have a, a, a duty also to the future of the country right. and to make sure that this doesn't happen again, that none of this happens again. A foreign entity getting involved in our elections, having a president who tries to use their power uh, to try and prevent an investigation into their own campaign. This is something that for us as Americans across party lines, we should all be concerned with and try to find solutions to. Has Speaker Pelosi struck the right tone? in this debate, you think? Well, at times I think she has with, with her insistence on that we're going to proceed very methodically and, and kind of go through our committee process. At times I also don't think it's helpful uh, to have just a back and forth with the president where it's trying to see you know, who can have the best one-liner or the best zinger. To me that's not always effective. That's not the way I go about doing things. And I know people are hungry to see something else from us. And, and it's, it's an important topic and so it shouldn't ever be approach flippantly. One topic that you were very outspoken on last week was tariffs. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, we would be uniquely harmed by tariffs. Texas is actually the number one trade state in the country, and when we're talking about tariffs of Mexico, by far, by far, of any state, we would be the most affected. They're our number one trade partner, uh, and we have long-established supply chains and supply lines that go back and forth. We have a lot of businesses in my district that expressed deep, deep concerns about this. You know, the business leaders tell me this. They can plan for downturns in the economy at times, they can plan for the market changing, but what they can't plan for is political instability. That makes it hard to make smart investments, it makes it hard to run your business. You know, avocado toast, <laughs> that's right. a happy I hour. Mean, there's all I'm kinds joking. of things. I mean, and then that's not even getting into air conditioners, cars, I mean, yeah. Let, let's, uh, the, the situation in Iran, Yeah. Uh, what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, we had recently some tankers attacked right. in the Hormuz Strait, which is a huge problem for us. We need to make sure that trade is flowing around the world and we don't want any international actors uh, you know, trying to prevent that. Um, I am somebody who believes that we need to make sure we have congressional role in this and that it's not just that the president or the White House decides to have a military conflict that it happens. Right. Uh, I recognize Iran is a bad actor and they are opposed to our interests in every part of the world but we don't want to rush into another war and the Congress has to play a role in this. It's in the Constitution and I think through multiple presidencies and multiple Congresses, we have ceded too much of that power to the executive branch, and we've got to take some of that back. And on my role in the Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, we're trying to do that. So. Let's turn a little bit to 2020. I mean, you flipped a district mm -hmm. that had been red for a very long time, but Republicans really want your seat back. Yeah, well, I knew the day that I won this was going to be the case. I've tried to proceed in a, in a fashion that I think is best for our district. I think that doing the right things policy-wise is also good politics. You know, I've about 73% our last count of the bills that I've co-sponsored are bipartisan. I've tried to reflect what I think North Texas wants. And obviously we're gonna figure out the polls in 2020, you know, whether or not people agree with that. Did you give Pete Sessions an automatic rematch clause? <laughs> I don't know, I mean, you know, listen, I, the good thing about being a new dad and, you know, for all the new dads on Father's Day, you know, congratulations, um, and also being new to this role is I haven't had a lot of time to do the kind of speculation game. We'll see who my opponent is and I'll try to make sure that I, uh, you know, tell the, the people of North Texas the work that I've been doing and, and hopefully earn their respect and their vote again.
And in the short time we have left, I know that you have a report out. You have concerns about insulin yeah. in your district. Yeah. Well, we, we've seen the cost of insulin going way up. And we have seniors who are rationing their insulin. We have people who are passing away because they can't afford their insulin. And this is true across other prescription drugs as well. And it's something that we just have to do something about. These are things that people don't have an option uh, right. for. They have to have. Uh, and the government plays a role in this. And the good news is, and, and I hope everybody you know, hears us on this, is that there's bipartisan agreement around this. I think on a bipartisan basis, even with everything that's going on in D.C., we're going to be able to find a way to deal with the cost of insulin, to deal with the cost of prescription drugs, and get it down and, you know, allow the American people to get around and go along with their business. So, Colin, you know what we have in common. We both love baseball, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm hearing that you're going to start in center field That's for right. the congressional, That's right. for the Democrats be, in the congressional I'm baseball be game. Reliving my glory days at Hillcrest <laughs> High School. Uh, we've been practicing a lot. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that we're good, um, right. but I think that we might be better than the Republicans. Um, but you know, it's a great cause for for charity, and you know, I love baseball. I'm, I'm going to be on a major league field playing for the first time that I've ever done that. Uh, so I'm going to certainly enjoy it and. Hopefully we can come away with a win. Are you going to promise the young one a home run? <laughs> Maybe an inside the park. <laughs> Is he going to be there? Yeah, yeah. Allie and the baby will be there. That's yeah. great. Yeah, so. All right, well, Representative Allred, thank you so much yeah. for being with us. And still ahead, we're talking Decision 2020, and for the first time, we're hearing presidential hopeful Beto O'Rourke going after a Democratic rival, what he had to say about former Vice President Joe Biden. Biden a return to the past? He is. And, and that cannot be who we are going forward. Um, we, we've got to mm. be bigger. We've got to be bolder. Uh, we have to set wow. a much higher mark and be relentless in pursuing that. Presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke on frontrunner former Vice President Joe Biden. His strongest comments on another Democrat in the field. O'Rourke has been doing more national interviews during his campaign for president. Okay, Grammer, what'd you make of that? Did you hear the oohs and ahs as he yeah. was saying? Yeah, because... Uh, you, they've been, this is what other Democrats want to say, but people, other than maybe Bernie Sanders a little bit, they haven't been taking this route yet. But it's, this is how the debate will be framed. Is Biden, you know, past his prime? Is he, you know, too much of a candidate of yesteryear? And do you need a new, sort of a new Democrat and a fresh approach? So that's the argument that Beto is going to make. Now, it's interesting that he's making it now while he's really down in the polls, right? So he's trying to spark, I think, and jumpstart his campaign again, because after initially rising close to the top, he's kind of hit a lull there. What I, was surprising to me is during the Senate race, you did not see him on the attack. In fact, there were Democrats that wanted to see him on the attack. On this more. show, remember, we, we talked about yes. the, the need for him maybe to attack more. He did do so in those television commercials down the stretch. But yes, he, he's had a sharper, he's had an edge to him for the presidential election. He's taken aim at Trump in a way that he didn't take aim at Ted Cruz in the Senate race. So this is, this is a different ball game. He has to be able to distinguish himself from the other 87 people running for president, right? So he has to be able to sort of catch fire and break from the pack. All right, well, Gromer, thank so, you so and much. We got the, the, the debate we have the debates coming so. up, and Representative O'Rourke and Julian Castro, they're on the same stage, the former secretary, so that'll be interesting, same night. And that's all the time that we have. Thanks for joining us this morning. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, including mine. We'll see you next Sunday.